J.J. McCarthy's ascension continues next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Hey, 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 you can't be a hard Brady gets terrific. Frozen and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast, and we hope that it doesn't sound like a repeat of last week's Open, but we kind of just saw a lot of the exact same game. Uh, now, Michigan's running game was a little less meh, but it was still pretty meh. Um, uh, and again, teams just kind of selling out to stop the run, playing a lot of man, a lot of cover one, a lot of cover zero, and J.J. McCarthy making them pay and, and, and with some high-level throws and throwing into some tight windows, showing some touch, the full repertoire, we've got checkdowns, we've got deep throws, we've got catching guys in stride uh, so they can go in and score uh, with the catch. You're, you've seen it all. Uh, we even saw him run the ball a couple of times against UNLV last week as well. You're going to see that more, I think, as we get into the latter parts of the season against uh, stiffer competition like Penn State and Ohio State. The kind of stuff, frankly, that's kind of irrespective of opponent. Tight window throws are tight window throws. Uh, Seeing and reading the whole field is seeing and reading the entire field. And he's doing those things right now. And really with a level of touch, volume on the throw, um, athleticism, keeping his eyes downfield to make plays with his arm rather than just kind of, you know, fight or flight. These are things we've not seen from a Michigan quarterback in a long time. And and that's why every single meaningful Michigan passing record uh, is now finally, 
threatened because a lot of these records are pretty pedestrian given what goes on uh, across much of the rest of the country. Now, I still think the true test of this is going to come later in the year when Harbaugh comes back. Is Harbaugh okay with J.J. throwing this much even against defenses that are begging for it? What's the old line? The only person that could keep Dean that could keep Michael Jordan under 20 points was Dean Smith. I mean, Michigan is operating right now at 50-50 in terms of uh, run-pass ratio. Is Jimmy going to be okay with that? If teams continue to sell out against the run, and, and teams are going to have to make a choice here pretty soon. Are you content with just letting J.J. McCarthy build a Heisman Trophy resume against this kind of coverage, or are you going to back off and try to play us straight up? And then that's where the Michigan running game, which has proven itself to be among the nation's elite, and a lot of these exact same guys are back for a third go-around that's maybe when the running game reasserts itself. But that's going to come later on down the line. Maybe uh, maybe not that later. Maybe in two weeks against Rutgers, which has shown it's really not that intimidated against Michigan. Uh, played us down to the final possession in 2021. Uh, led us at the half in 2022. You know, those Michigan teams went on to win the Big Ten Championship. So Rutgers was playing good football right now. They've only given up a combined 80 yards rushing so far this year. Uh, they're over a touchdown favorite against Virginia Tech this weekend. Very likely the Scarlet Knights come to Michigan for the Big Ten opener. Um, 3-0. and And you know Greg Schiano, a defensive guy. So is he going to be willing to say, I mean, J.J. lit him up in the second half last year. Is he going to step back and say, we're going to play a more even up, see if we can play the run with six or seven? Or is he going to gang up on the run as well and let J.J. McCarthy pick him apart? That's maybe the first time an opponent will make that call. And then is Jimmy content to let J.J. continue to fling the ball like this, especially given the backup quarterback situation? I mean, I don't want to be alarmist here, but uh, I was listening to the Wolverines postgame podcast over the weekend, and former Michigan Wolverine Ryan Van Bergen described Michigan's backup quarterback situation as the difference between sitting first class on a private plane and then sitting next to the toilet on Spirit Airlines, okay? So it's it has not been inspiring. I mean, Davis Warren has looked completely overwhelmed the two attempts he's gone into the game. And so, you know, some guys just don't have it when the lights go on in the stadium. And sadly, that may be the case with Davis Warren. We don't really know about Jack Tuttle as a backup quarterback. He started some games in Indiana. Obviously, he's got a lot better talent around him here. He was a consensus top 200 recruit, just has never really panned out. He got injured on a cheap shot against UNLV, so we didn't see much out of him. He did turn the ball over a little too much for my liking in the spring game. Jaden Denegal came in uh, for his first real action late in the game against UNLV, threw a nice pass, a rope down the middle of the field. The guy that I'm very curious about, though, is Alex Orgy, just because of his size, speed, athleticism. Uh, the running component that he could provide with the running game we already have. That's another way to get explosives. They don't always have to be in the pass game. And we haven't seen him yet for reasons. I mean, Harbaugh said it was a substitution error. He should have gone in last week. I think we will certainly see him against Bowling Green this week. But right now, there's not a proven or let alone uh, or functional, let alone proven backup quarterback that we know of right now on the roster that could win a game, let alone against Penn State or Ohio State, if we really needed it. So we got to keep that guy healthy. And I'm wondering if Jimmy's going to be okay with him going back there 30 times a game and dropbacks, facing a pass rush, as opposed to let's just hand it off. But what if teams say, we're not going to this year, just let you hand it off. And that's what we've seen the first two games. Nevertheless, McCarthy has looked exactly the way you have wanted him to look 
thus far. He has taken a major step forward in his development. And I think you're seeing the difference between a guy who could not throw all of last offseason because of the shoulder injury and, and now had an entire year of development, took all the number one reps in practice with no competition between him and the departed Cade McNamara. And you have seen a massive leap forward in his development. Let's hope and pray it continues. We'll talk about this and more with Mark Rogers next. Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. Let's get uh, the viewpoint from the other side of the scarlet and gray septic tank with our good friend and maybe the world's only reasonable bucknut, Mark Rogers, host of his own fantastic voice of college football channel right here on YouTube with correspondents, stringers, analysts from teams all over the country. You don't want to miss it. A lot of great info out there. Also happens to be an Ohio State fan, but don't hold that against him. Mark, good to see you again as always, brother. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. Um, Did we learn anything this week, though? Just another inferior opponent, (laughs) just another humdrum win. It was kind of the same exact game, really. Um, The the running game was better than it was in week one. Frankly, it couldn't have been any worse. It was better than it was in week one. But again, we saw a team, just, uh, you know, an undersized group of five team play a very TCU style of defense. Just a lot of guys walking around, standing around, waiting for the ball to get snapped and then coming downfield like on an automatic, you know, stuff every gap. And J.J. McCarthy just destroying teams for doing that, you know, with a lot of man or cover one, cover zero coverage, throwing into tight windows, um, improvising plays. I mean, last week he or two weeks ago, he set the record for uh, best completion percentage with at least 25 throws. He did it this week with at least 30 throws. He's off to the best two-week start by any quarterback in Michigan football history. So we're, it's kind of the same conversation. I, I, You know, Greg Schiano, obviously, you guys know him well. He was your D.C. over there at Ohio State for a bit. He's a very well-respected defensive mind. Uh, he played Michigan down to the final snap here two years ago in 21. That Michigan team won the Big Ten. He, Rutgers was leading at the half last year that, in 2022. That Michigan team won the Big Ten. I, I think it's going to be fascinating when he comes in here you know, Rutgers so far this year has only given up 80 total yards rushing. Does he say, you know what? I think if this is the Michigan running game this year, we can play you straight up. And and what happens when that occurs? And how much of the meh running game Michigan has right now 
You know, it's funny, last year at this time, it was Michigan needs to throw it more for times later in the year when they're going to have to. This year, it's Michigan needs to run it better for times later in the year when they have to close games out, you know. But I think what Shiano does here in a couple of weeks will will speak volumes about how he chooses to play Michigan. Yeah, if you expect to one aspect of the offense to struggle against this kind of opponent, you would expect that it would be the passing game because there's more uh, timing that's required, the chemistry between – uh, quarterback and, and and the receivers, but Jim Harbaugh made a comment this week uh, talking about how sharp J.J. McCarthy is, and he said it almost to a T of the way I processed it during really the first two games of the season, and I didn't watch these live, but I went back and looked at, uh, looked at most of the game, and just basically, we can tell J.J. McCarthy where we want the throw. Okay, this throw is supposed to be six inches above the chest at this point because the defender most likely is going to be here, and he puts it right on the money. Like, he is just planting that back foot and just letting it rip with so much confidence. And he, he never lacked in confidence, but the way he's throwing the ball, my goodness, he could, he could probably even play at Ohio State at this point. He's that good. Nice. Well, we tried. He tried, remember? And you guys went with um, the quarterback you have now instead. So, Kyle McCord. That was Ryan Day made that choice. Here's the question. I think a lot of what I'm seeing out of J.J. is irrespective of opponent. And here's why. The tight windows he is throwing into. The timing he is throwing with. The, the improvisational plays. I mean, there's a couple of snaps you go back and watch against UNLV where he picked up stunts and blitzes before the offensive line did. Okay. Um, I, I think those are because we're not dealing with a guy whose physical abilities we're doubting. We've, we've seen physically what he can do. What we're talking about is the mental part of the game. Has it slowed down for him or not in the decision making? Um, and, you know, he's checking down. Sometimes when he doesn't have to, just because it's a safer play, when maybe there is a throw down the field that I think I could make against UNLV, but maybe I can't make that throw late in the year against Penn State and Ohio State, so let me take that six- or seven-yard gain right now and have second and short. I think those are the – since we're talking about the decision-making process and, and not the, the, the physical capability of a guy that's already physically proven himself, I think that stuff is kind of irrespective of opponent, but maybe I'm biased. What do you think as an Ohio State guy? Well, I think that we can look at teams across the country that are really talented, really talented, yes, t- talented teams that should dominate opponents but don't have it all together, and they will still struggle against low-end uh, teams. And so I do think that there's a distinction to be made. While we would want to see these best teams in the Big Ten be taking on, unlike <laughs> six of them are taking on the ACC this week, but we don't get to see any of the top teams in the Big Ten in play against anyone with a pulse. Uh, you can see it because Ohio State, look at who they've played, especially even last week. They didn't look that good on offense. They didn't really kick it into gear. When the plays were there, they were they were just very easily uh, executed, wide open plays. They weren't the type plays that um, they were being challenged on. And when they were challenged and, and Youngstown State was in position, Ohio State wasn't making those plays. They have a lot to work out on offense. So, yeah, it's a sliding scale in terms of what we can gauge versus inferior opponents, but I think you're onto something because I have the same thought in watching Michigan's passing game. I think most of those plays can be made against 
the better teams in the Big Ten, and he's making the right decisions, and he's showing superior uh, pinpoint passing, touch, accuracy, timing, decision-making, all of that coming together. And sure, the athletic defenses at a Penn State or otherwise will make some plays on him, of course, but most of those plays will be made against anyone. I think the biggest factor that the running game has been kind of meh. It was it was much better in week two. It still wasn't up to Michigan's lofty standards of the last couple of years. But I think there's a reason for this, Mark, that has largely gone unnoticed. And I do think some of it is what people saw what TCU did last year with an undersized you know, defense. Just have a bunch of guys kind of stand around, lollygag around the line of scrimmage pre-snap, and then have your linemen essentially try to decide which of these guys is coming downhill to, to crash a gap you know, at post-snap. I, I think, you know, UNLV and East Carolina are not as talented as that TCU team was last year, but schematically, they have tried some similar things. But I think a bigger factor is the lack of J.J. as a threat in the running game. Now, he did run a couple of times um, against a UNLV, but when you look at our backup quarterback situation, I, I was mentioning Ryan Van Bergen was on the Wolverines post-game podcast on Saturday, and he compared our backup, watching our backup quarterbacks the first two weeks and the difference between and the drop-off between them and J.J. as um, riding first class on, on a private plane and then sitting by the toilet on Spirit Airlines. Okay, that's, that was the difference. I, I mean, Davis Warren looked very shaky, like the, too big of a moment, not my thing, and that happens sometimes. That, that Some guys just, you know, there's guys that are gamers and there's guys that can do it in practice when there's not 100,000 people watching and 3 million at home, and, and some guys just can't. Um, we Jack Tuttle got hurt uh, on a kind of a cheap shot. You know, we 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 saw what he was at Indiana. Not great. He should be a little better at Michigan with you know better talent around him. But you know that's not a guy that you want you know to come into the game in the fourth quarter and try to win it for you against Penn State on the road, for example. So last two years when JJ was the backup, you could bring him in to run the ball and provide that extra number in the box against the defense. And you kind of didn't worry about him getting banged up because, you know, two years ago, Cade McNamara was the starter. Last year, uh, you know, you had Cade until about the fourth or fifth game of the year, and then he was declared out for the season. And you'll notice that he didn't run like at all the rest of the year until like the Ohio State game. I think that's the big factor is we're not getting these huge rushing yards, especially like when the second unit comes in because we don't have a, a five-star quarterback that's a dispensable piece that we can run the ball with and, and, and you know get numbers in the box. We can't do that with J.J. McCarthy right now. And I think that strategic advantage that helped us you know get some huge rushing statistics uh, the last two years just isn't there right now. Well, first of all, did you just frame a 30-point lead against a low group and group Group of five, low end group of five as a pressure moment, which I get. Yeah, if you're a former be... walk on that's never played before, yeah. If you're Davis Warren, that's a pressure. That's a pressure moment. Yeah. Okay, I, I get it. For the average human being walking down up and down the street, a hundred thousand, yes, and trying to perform in front of that is something. But if you've signed to play at Michigan, then you should be at least ready to play in that situation. That aside, my hope was that the running game decline in the first two games was tied to the two replacement offensive linemen that have to take the spots of Ryan Hayes and Olu Olubatimi not being as good. That's what my hope is long-term, that they're just not that level of player. 
the other thing about the run game and J.J. McCarthy's role in the run game to me is that regardless of how you struggle in the run game, as long as that lead is somewhat comfortable and I anticipated being against these Big Ten opponents early in the schedule, that you still keep him out of harm's way and he's not going to forget how to, uh, first of all, there are going to be those improvised moments in the pass game that he can run, but in terms of calling running plays or running option plays for him, I don't think you do that until the game's in doubt, uh, mid-third quarter, late third quarter, and you stay away from that, keep him safe, keep him out of harm's way. And, you know, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, regardless of the numbers game uh, in the box, uh, are still the better options long-term. All right, let's talk about your team for a second, Ohio State. What's gone on there the first two weeks? Is it just as simple as they missed on the quarterback? Well, I thought that if they missed on a quarterback, meaning one of the two that were in competition, then they would have the other one. So this is them possibly missing on two quarterbacks uh, because Hmm. Devin Brown, they've made their decision. They have not stated their decision as of yet, unless Ryan Day stated it just here in the last few minutes. But uh, that, that Kyle McCord is going to be the starter. They just, there is no way that Devin Brown is being limited in the number of snaps that he is and then suddenly he's going to be uh, unveiled as the starter against Notre Dame Uh, he only had 13 pass attempts and only completed seven and for as bad as the offense looked against Indiana and uh, even with Kyle McCord in the game against Youngstown State it was much worse uh, with Devin Brown so they've missed on two quarterbacks if they don't improve if Kyle McCord doesn't improve Devin Brown's not going to be given that opportunity so think about that Uh, Because my confidence was that most likely they've got two guys. Ryan Day was telling us deep into August, I've got two guys. This is how good this situation is. Mm -hmm. So either option's a good option. But, of course, we'll have to make a a decision. But Youngstown State, mm, it, it doesn't look good right now, especially without a dominant run game. Where is that run game? Because... The interior of offensive line was supposed to be the strength, right? And the yeah. tackles were, you know, Ryan Day was even saying at Big Ten Media Days, hey, we're looking for tackles, you know. But the interior of that line is, was supposed to be pretty stout. So what's happened with the running game? Well, especially the left tackle, Josh Simmons, is just getting blown up uh, on a regular basis. And he is not, <laughs> he's just a mess. I, I don't know what their lineup exactly is going to be. Uh, Luke Montgomery's uh, an interior lineman, so they're going to take one of the guards and push them possibly to the outside because Luke Montgomery was a top 100 player in the nation, but he's a true freshman. But there's much talk that he's going to get uh, a look. The the running game, I think, should be less trading on Henderson, and there should be other options. They go five deep at running back. Uh, They're very different type running backs. Now, they can't win big games against big opponents featuring Mayan Williams, but he's got to be a larger part of the game because he makes his own running room by moving defenders himself. Travion Henderson does not do that. He's a pretty running back in the open field with the right crease, with the right opening, and makes guys miss in the secondary, but he's just not the tough runner that they need right now to make 
their own space, their own yardage, yard after contact. Uh, Dallin Hayden, I would love to see more of him. He gained 140 yards last year against Maryland on 27 carries. So he proved to be up to the challenge of the beating, at least for one week. Uh, and Chip Tranum was the back that did the most damage, of course, against Michigan, where he came into the game with only one carry, and he played the best against Indiana. So more of Chip Tranum would be good. Uh, and forget the recruiting rankings and forget the 40 times, and let's get the guys that can make their own yardage, uh, tough yardage, uh, to move the sticks. There's a notion, back to the quarterback situation, there's a notion out there, well, hey, I mean, C.J. Stroud, he kind of struggled a little bit when he first started out. So I, I looked it up. First two games of Stroud's career as a starter as a redshirt freshman. Now, McCord's been in the program. This is, what, his third or fourth year in the program. Um, this, had been, this was Stroud's second year in the program. Uh, he started on the road against Minnesota, Big Ten game just like McCord, but that Minnesota team was a lot better than this Indiana team. Then he played Oregon, you know, top 10, top 15 program in the country. In those two games, Stroud threw for seven touchdowns and over 700 yards. It's not even the level of competition and the performance between Stroud and McCord. It's not even close, Mark. So, so where where is this conventional wisdom coming from? It's not coming from a source of wisdom. Uh, the the issues with C.J. Stroud those first two weeks was not that he can't play the position. It's is he going to make crucial mistakes because he made a couple errant throws, especially against Oregon. But the game was on the line. The game was on his shoulders. He had to throw the ball 53 times in that game. Mm -hmm. Like, he had no support in that game, and the defense didn't help them uh, because they had long drives. If you look at that, uh, the, the, the flow of that game, Oregon just ran the ball down Ohio State's throats at will, and C.J. Stroud was on the sideline a, a lot, and their, their drives were basically consumed with scoring, and they were pretty proficient on offense. But anyway, the late in the game, he made a bad throw, uh, scrambling out of the pocket, trying to throw on the run and, and overshot a guy and threw an interception. And he did the same thing against Minnesota. So he had in 53 pass attempts, probably three or four questionable decisions, one really bad decision that resulted in the interception that basically sealed the game. So it came down to one like defining moment that everybody's going to make a huge narrative out of. But yeah, he would. His best football was in front of him. Yes, he was still working through things, but working through things uh, a, a couple of yards shy of uh, 500 yards against Oregon and four touchdown passes and 294 against Minnesota. That was him working through things. That was not what we've seen the last two weeks. One more thing I want to ask you about Penn State. Based on what you've seen the first two weeks, they ready to join the Ohio State-Michigan tier, do you think? Or do you want to wait and see what they do the next two weeks? They've got Illinois. Now, Illinois' defense was giving up less than 275 yards a game last year with that incredible secondary. This year, man, I mean, they've get, last, last week against Kansas, over 500 yards. Kansas had like 28 first downs. They gave up well over 400 yards against Toledo two weeks ago, and we're lucky to win that game. Um, but they do have Iowa for the whiteout the next week, which – probably is the best defense in that division again. Um, and 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 we'll have a, a competent, capable quarterback in Cade McNamara, who's won in Happy Valley before, so he knows how to lead a team there. Uh, and Iowa has led the nation in interceptions, like in the last 10 years in college football. So do you want to see Drew Aller in a game like that before you say they're ready to join the tier with the two of us, or do you think they're there now? 
Oh, I think they're there now. But of course, I want to see more data points against uh, quality competition. And and the competition has been here. And I think Illinois is going to be much better, although not much better than West Virginia. But Iowa is going to be that near ultimate challenge on the defensive side of the ball. So, of course, yes, I want to see that. But while we talk about Ohio State struggling in the run game, Michigan at times struggling in the run game, Penn State has not struggled in the run game. And, um, you know, West Virginia has some good athletes and they've got some positional spots where they are really strong. It's just not a good team overall, but they're still a power five team. And Penn State did a methodical job on them working the scoreboard and stretching the lead and not they didn't come out 28 nothing and lay down a hammer. But they clearly uh, were a much better team and did what you would expect them to do. But those two running backs that were freshmen last year, Singleton and Allen, turning them into sophomores now, I just think makes a, a world of difference. And uh, this team looks like they're going to be uh, forced to be reckoned with. But yes, the the Iowa game in particular, I want to see. The Illinois uh, performance on defense, I really perplexed me against Kansas. That was my under-the-radar like game that I really wanted to see in the offseason that I was looking forward to was a non-conference showdown between like-seeded teams out of two conferences and giving up uh, just a shade under 500 yards to Kansas, or plus 500, I believe. Not good. They just looked a step slow and completely befuddled uh, by Kansas's offense. So expect a bounce back from Illinois. I, I think this is kind of an Illinois kind of, kind of game playing at home here. We know what happened the last time the two got together. So uh, one challenge this week and then a much greater challenge, even though it is at home in two weeks. Good stuff, my friend. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Mark. Sounds good, Steve. Thank you. Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This week's Twitter poll results is Michigan's meh running game thus far. More a product of underwhelming offensive line play or teams completely selling out on defense to stop the run. 60% of you give the opponents credit. 40% of you think it's underwhelming offensive line play. I think it's a little bit of both, but I, I do think the factor I mentioned to Mark a few minutes ago, not having that extra man in the run game with J.J. as a threat right now, when you had the luxury of doing that with him as a backup all of 21 first third of 2022, um, not having that really at all right now because you're trying to wrap him in cellophane to preserve him for the games that really count later. I think that's a big factor too. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Terrence says, what are the odds 
that J.J. comes back with Corum and Edwards gone. If he's playing like this, brother, the odds that monkeys will fly out of my butt. Okay? Not, not very high. That's the bittersweet aspect of J.J. playing at a Heisman Trophy All-American level as he is currently. If that continues, he gone. And he should be. He would have earned it. And we would have ended up having the kind of season we, or at least something approaching the kind of season we all envisioned before this season began. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, follow, five-star review, whether you're watching here on YouTube or listening on iTunes or elsewhere. Please help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. Thank you to all of you that have hit subscribed or followed, have commented in the comment section. We appreciate all of those. Uh, Please remember as well to follow us on Twitter or X, uh, at Michigan Podcast, especially on game days where we will likely have very overly dramatic commentary in real time you will enjoy or be annoyed by. Until the next time, that's next week. We'll see you right here on Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.